1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never
0: Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, I'm going to read you a little bit of an email that came in to us uh, from one of our wonderful listeners. Her name is Sarah. Sarah. And it caught my eye because the subject line was 11 hours of Sminty in the prep closet today. What? I know. Even I can't stand myself for 11 hours. And she was talking about it. So I had to, I had to read on. And uh, she goes a little bit into how she followed sort of a weird career path, but has settled on cooking. And she writes, I spend many, many hours a day trimming lamb, cooking the crap out of our awesome Basque food, and listening to Sminty while doing it. I'm actually lucky enough to work in a restaurant where there is an even 50-50 split of females to males total, two prep girls, three female cooks to zero prep guys, and five male cooks. That being said, the culinary side of employment is heavily skewed toward males, which makes a whole lot of crap sense. When one considers who does most of the cooking outside a restaurant, not most men. My life in food is blessed and full of amazingly respectful lady-friendly guys who know I can cake just as much Uh, Booty. She uses another word, and I can't remember whether we can say it on the podcast or not. Booty. (laughs) On the line as they can, but I think with just a little bit of research you'll find plenty of fodder for a fine, encouraging podcast about the differences between male and female chefs, and lo and behold, we did. Boy, was Sarah right. Yeah, there was so much information
1: about this very topic that, Molly, we could just start having a cooking show. We could. A cooking podcast. Um, So today... Like Sarah requested, we're going to talk about if women and men indeed cook differently and also dig into why it is that head chefs are often men. Why are restaurant kitchens often dominated by men? Because like she points out, women are traditionally the cooks. We've been cooking for people since we started cooking food as people.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hunter gather. Yeah. They exactly. stayed home and cooked
1: the food. We did. So. With no further ado, Molly, let's get into this. And let's start at the top. Let's start with the executive chefs and maybe work our way from the restaurant kitchen into the home kitchen, because it's all going to come back there. So I found this article from New York Magazine interviewing seven prominent women chefs in New York about this very issue. And they... Say, they confirm the fact that yes, as a woman chef, not only are they among a very small minority, but also they encounter different issues such as, um, you know, male, male men coming into the room and looking for someone else to hand. The male too, because a woman certainly couldn't be the head chef. Right. They have a lot of trouble getting financial backing because financiers are more hesitant to give money to women chefs, and they also discuss this issue of whether or not
0: men and women cook differently, which will be the main topic of today. But let's let's dive into that financial thing a little bit more, Kristen, because that to me was the most interesting thing, and it made a lot of sense. I mean, we've talked about women in business before. In fact, remember our very first podcast was about women in negotiation, Mm -hmm. about how women are more fearful to ask for money to do something, in that case a raise. But that's what all these women chefs say, is that it's a lot harder to go into a group of uh, investors, people who are looking to invest in a restaurant, and say, hey, I'm going to run this restaurant. I'm the chef. Here's my food. It's much harder for a woman to do that as opposed to a man. The investors seem to seek the men out. They, uh, want to see men with business experience that some of these female chefs don't have. And, uh, that was what they saw as the real boys club, not necessarily, uh, the coming up in the training kitchens. That's mm-hmm. what people say is often the boys club, but they said it was more the investment financial side that was hard to do
1: right the guys are going out they're playing golf together they're playing poker together and next thing you know you know their male colleagues as alex guarnashelli from butter put it uh she says um you know she'll have male colleagues come up to her and say yeah i just met with a big group of investors to open a restaurant and she says i'm looking at them trying to sip my coffee like yeah bro that must be rough and i go home and trade in the coffee for tequila wondering if i did something wrong you know, because they're working just as hard um, and somehow these, these men are still getting more of a leg up. But it might have to do, too, with the nature of being a chef because uh, it's it kind of caters more to men in terms of families and in terms of marriages. Because with a, being a head chef, you have to be open and available on nights and weekends and often pulling late night shifts and uh for and and some chefs say that that's exactly why you don't see more women executive chefs and uh in the New York Times article the the group New York of magazine or sorry in the <laughs> in the New York magazine article the uh, these seven women chefs point out that that pastry chef is often kind of the the reserve spot for women because it doesn't demand Quite the same intensive hours,
0: mm-hmm. and there's less of a sense of competition. Now they also asked the the chefs about uh, their training and coming up through professional kitchens. They ask, "Those kitchens seem sort of traditionally shamelessly sexist. Is that true?" And these women sort of made a point of not wanting to play a victim card. Absolutely. They, uh, you know, they they did have experiences where they'd been sort of discriminated against or. The people that they were working with were betting against them, you know, straight outright. They didn't think the women would be able to cut it. Um, but all these women just put their head down and worked through it and, uh, and persevered. Right. Because they want to be respected as chefs, not respected
1: as women chefs. Kind of like when we were talking about women directors in Hollywood. You know, they don't want to be seen as, oh, you're so great for a woman. No, they just want to be respected for their art. And the same thing with these women in food. And just to throw out a couple of stats to back up what we're saying, according to StarChefs.com, which is run by Antoinette Bruno, um, a poll found that 91% of executive chefs... Or men, 91% people. And then um, there was an article on the Huffington Post talking about Food & Wine's annual list of the best new chefs. And the, the author points out that in the Best New Chefs 2009, there was one out of 10 Of these chefs who, um, who's a woman, Naomi Pomeroy. And it's just kind of how it's always been. They'll have, she says, they had one woman chef in 2009, 2007, 2006, 2005, and onward. So they still aren't even getting, um, aren't even getting a lot of recognition for what they're doing coming up through the ranks. But speaking of ranks, Molly, the history of the kitchen brigade, that hierarchy, that is in the kitchen. Most like high-end kitchens that you'll see might explain why the um, the restaurant atmosphere is dominated by men.
0: And let's talk a little bit about what that brigade is okay. before we explain that, because um, all of my experience of what it's like in a kitchen is based on movies. Okay. Um, so it took me a while so to wrap tr- my head around it. So it's it. true to life, right? <laughs> so I'm sure it is. So what we have is an executive chef assisted by a sous chef. And then below that are chefs who are in charge of certain production stations. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, based on how the restaurant has their kitchen structured, you could have a ton of these stations. You could have a sauce station, a fish station, a grill station, fried items, roast, cold foods, pastries. Um, and they talk about how working your way up is basically putting in your time at all of these stations and getting mm-hmm. the go-ahead to you know, ascend to another station. Yeah, because um, a kitchen has to operate like a well-oiled machine, you know, sort of like an assembly line. So, of
1: course, you have the saucier who is busily working on sauces while the sous chef is doing more of the prep. The head chef is sort of the general in charge of everything, um, keeping keeping all the different stations in line. And if it sounds kind of like a military brigade, that's because, lo and behold... The kitchen system is based on European military organization. And we found a great article in the Austin Chronicle written by M. M. Pack, which walks us through the history of the kitchen brigade. And, um, Pack says that from the 14th century on traveling armies had to be fed and cooks were selected from among the ranks. And so as these kind of cooking brigades, expanded and these military cooks would end up cooking for kings and nobility. And so they would have to prepare these complicated meals and feasts for huge numbers of people. So it became a a pretty significant position, um, and trade guilds soon developed and then you had uniforms for people in these guilds and the rigid hierarchy started to take place of, you know, the, the head chefs of the time down to the, the people doing the prep work and the more menial tasks, um, and, Pack says it until after the French Revolution and the rise of restaurants, this cast of cooks continued to work exclusively for the aristocracy. And the classic double-breasted white jacket and the hat the chefs wear even goes back to these times.
0: And, you know, I think that this really helped me understand why we think of so many chefs as male, Kristen. It's because starting, you know, back from these times when the, it was tied to going to battle – uh, cooking was a profession for men, mm-hmm. whereas it's something we expect women to do just as part of their nurturing role. Someone's right. gotta feed that family. You know, the mother starts out feeding the family through breastfeeding. It's only natural that she would continue to oversee. The children's meals as they grow.
1: Mm hmm. Emily, the, the idea that you brought up that women of women cooking as an act of love is a concept that Mike Weiss from the San Francisco Chronicle dug into in this 2007 article because he had the the same idea of, well, you know, like, do men and women cook differently? And his theory going into this little culinary adventure was that yes, women do cook differently because they put more of a nurturing Air into it, and he refers to it as mama food.
0: Now we should note that, you know, as as the title of the paper might imply, San Francisco Chronicle, this is happening in California, and many of these articles we read made a note that California is one place where women have really achieved some culinary equality mm-hmm. in the kitchen. Most notably, Alice Waters. Uh, Kristen's favorite uh, thing she found out about Alice Waters is her nickname, her nickname, the renegade lunch lady. But, you know, uh, all the articles pointed out that she chose not to run her kitchen in that traditional kitchen style brigade. Everyone sort of just worked together and, uh, you know, her restaurants acclaimed. And so he was basically going around to these different restaurants in San Francisco because he'd had his most memorable meals there. And coincidentally, all his most memorable meals were cooked by women. And so it was kind of surprising to me when he went and interviewed the female chefs who cooked his memorable meals. They kind of agreed with his, with his hypothesis to an extent that yes, women did have, uh, creativity around food, but it was usually based on their desire to put something good in your body, to really nurture your body with what they were giving you. Whereas guys, uh, who pursued becoming a chef were more interested in like the molecular gastronomy, uh, cooking with a science set, they called it. The, uh, the show off cooking.
1: Right. With show off cooking too, um, there was a fad in the 90s of having tall food, like plates that were kind of where the dishes were built up. Um, had a, and all had a vertical element to it. And that was kind of the prime example of this show off food, uh, that was really promoted by male chefs, whereas women were f- really focusing more in on the flavors. And I would say just from the research that I've done, Molly, that this, this idea of mama food versus show off food is something that's pretty, is a pretty, pervasive notion in the culinary world. For instance, there was a blog post on Serious Eats by um Ed Levine who went to, who participated actually in a panel um investigating whether, and it was a taste test panel to find out whether or not, you know, men, if you could tell the difference between, uh, men's food and women's food, food cooked by men and women. Um And he pointed out that uh, there are a lot of preconceived notions and cliches about the differences between male and female chefs. And among them, for instance, Levine points out that uh, there's the thought that women chefs will use spices more subtly than men. Men sh- male chefs will use a lot of toys in their cooking, for instance, with all of the molecular gastronomy stuff that's going on now. Uh, female chefs like to nurture and feed people's souls while male chefs are looking to compete and impress. Um, and women's chefs will be more precise and follow more instructions, whereas men will kind of go a little more haywire. And then <laughs> I thought this was kind of funny. Um, Levine says that male chefs like to cook red meat, whereas female chefs are more likely to cook pink food and use edible flowers. And the interesting thing is from the the panel, uh, Levine concluded that um, while gender does kind of affect how chefs cook, they couldn't discern whether or not a meal was cooked by a male chef or a female chef. And he says that the thing that has the most influence over someone's cooking style isn't gender, but rather how they were trained. And so I think it's interesting that um, Alice Waters uh doesn't follow the brigade style and kind of molds her sous chefs and the other cooks under her to a different style. And I bet that influences how the male chefs in her restaurant are cooking.
0: And, you know, one thing that came out of that, that Levine piece that struck me was that, uh, you know, they're talking about whether they could tell which meal was cooked by which gender. And they talked about how there was some culinary cross-dressing and mm-hmm. that the male chef produced something that was very pink that did have a flower, I think, and. The female chef produced, you know, a hardcore meat dish. And I don't remember what the dishes were at this exact moment. But um, I think that there does seem to be that awareness that we're cooking differently. We may be cooking for different reasons. Um, But, you know, even in the in the Weiss article, the San Francisco Chronicle article, there was a little bit of discomfort in admitting that because it seems like such a weird backwards thing to admit. But like I said, when you read some of these quotes by the female chefs, you're like, wow, I wouldn't. Wouldn't have said that myself, but I guess it's true.
1: And it might seem like a silly topic to even discuss. Like, as long as food tastes good, like, who cares whether or not men and women cook differently? But I think that it's also important to talk about because um, I, th- I think it's one of this idea of you know men being the head chefs in restaurants, whereas women are the head chefs at home. And it's kind of fascinating because you know for so long, like we've said, cooking has been completely reserved for women. It kind of embodies this idea of, you know, kind of our like socialized idea of women as like the nurturers and the givers and um, the ones who are raising at home, raising the families. Um, Whereas on the flip side, you know,
0: men are able to pursue cooking as a career. Right. And, you know, one of the things that was pointed out in that article from San Francisco was that the whole reason we have show off cooking was because the men had to do something to differentiate it from cooking for the home, right? He ha- they had to do something in terms of adding more toys to the equation, adding more exotic ingredients, adding something so that when that food got to your plate, it was almost like you'd have to admit a woman couldn't have done this. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how it sort of seemed to me. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but
1: yeah, I mean, that was never overly stated, but I think I think you're exactly right. But whereas today, uh, restaurant kitchens are absolutely dominated by men. You know, we go back to that, that 91% stat that I threw out earlier, 91% of kitchens are run by male executive chefs. But I think what is going to be interesting to watch for is sort of how the, um, this male element in the restaurant kitchen is affecting the male element in kitchens at home. Okay. Because, uh, Time Magazine pointed out that there has sort of been a rise lately in quote unquote dude food. And we're talking about, um, all of these male food personalities that have risen up, kind of the male Rachel Rays, if you will, um, who have become pretty prominent on, um, food television. For instance, we have people like Anthony Bourdain, we have Andrew Zimmern, uh, the cake boss, Bobby Flay, um Ted Allen all these guys who have become really prominent not just for you know being male chefs but cooking more w- what Time magazine calls nude food sort of this bringing the uh, making cooking accessible for guys at home and it's not just the grill thing you know like men have been the grill masters since the days of Don Draper but now they're actually transitioning men into the kitchen making it more fashionable more accessible and I would say, Molly, more masculine mm-hmm. for men to get into the kitchen and make a fabulous meal.
0: And speaking of all these sort of alpha male chefs that are on television, mm-hmm. I, want, I want to throw out some statistics from an article from Adweek that kind of blew my mind. It was actually an article about toys, which we're going to get into in a minute. But they were talking about how the male audience for a show like Iron Chef, overall male audience for Iron Chef America is 36%. Overall. But if you just look at the 2 to 11 age bracket, so boys age 2 to 11, it jumps to 45%. And they say that holds true for quite a few of these cooking shows is that young boys are the biggest fans of them. And this was relevant to this article about toys because if you think about things like easy bake ovens, like plastic kitchens, all that is marketed to girls. Mm-hmm. And so it was really saying that these boys want to be part of this from a young age. They're seeing how cool it is on television. They basically want, you know, a, a, one of those plastic kitchens from Toys R Us to play with, but they'll get there. They'll get to the store, and it's there between the Barbies and the other dolls. And that's when they get the message, oh, cooking is a girl thing. I'll have, you know, yeah. can't do that. Right. And it was about um, how some of these toy companies are trying to bring boys more into this, but they're still encountering resistance from the dads. Still encountering some resistance from the dads.
1: And some of the companies are still holding fast to, no, no, no. We have the most marketing success with targeting these toys at girls. We're going to stick with it. But, you know, I think that uh, I think that that's changing a lot, at least according to the ad age, Articles. So I guess the question in my mind is that, while well, yes, women certainly do the lion's share of the cooking at home. Mm-hmm. That's still exactly the way it is. But I kind of wonder whether um, this movement to bring more men into the kitchen um, and get more men interested in cooking at home, if that's going to have any impact at all on the situation, kind of the gender politics in restaurant kitchens, because... I think that it's kind of going to dismantle this divide between, you know, cooking, home cooking as a woman's purview and professional cooking as, you know, something reserved for
0: men. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I do. I do think that where you might be in the middle, it's a broad statement to make, but perhaps a generational shift in that all these young boys who are growing up with these shows A very strong male personalities will get interested in cooking and may do the cooking from a young age in their house. Mm -hmm. Whether it's something they go on to pursue professionally, But uh, that could remain to be seen. But the fact that we do have more boys in the kitchen may help sort of drive that. I agree.
1: Yeah. So Molly, I think that we've talked about, you and I have talked enough about this topic. I'm curious to know what our listeners think about this. And especially, I'm sure that we've got plenty of listeners out there, Molly, who are working in kitchens right now and i would love to hear from you guys and see guys and girls goodness listen to me um (laughs) molly is shaking her head um we would love to hear from you and and kind of know whether or not you know molly and i aren't working in a kitchen maybe we're totally off the mark or maybe we're spot on let us know your thoughts on this this idea of male cooking versus female cooking and really we have just hit on the tip of the iceberg, lettuce.
0: <laughs> the appetizer course, if the you will. The
1: appetizer, yes. Um, when it comes to gender and cooking, there's so much more that we could talk about. So this is really just the start of the conversation. So l- let us hear from you. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com
0: And I'll read an email from someone who wrote in. This is from Sarah, but not the Sarah that I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Um, another Sarah wrote, about the podcast episode why do men propose and she writes not all of us ladies are afraid to kick the norms my now fiancé mentioned that after we've been dating about six months that he wasn't interested in relationships that aren't marriage and family bound no pressure but if i ever realized that i wasn't that serious would be time for quits it took another six months to think about it and one morning i proposed apropos of nothing i have a full-time salary while he scrapes by on music commission so we both knew it was going to have to be my decision we went together and picked matching copper rings for $5. It's now a year later, and we'll be married this Saturday. So happy wedding? Yeah. Best Maybe honey wishes. Now. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I'm the breadwinner while he stays home and tends the garden, does the laundry and dishes, and fixes up the house and makes a little money with his music. We both cook and clean, and yes, I am wearing a white dress and taking his name. So I say, hetero ladies of the world, don't you dare marry a man you couldn't propose to, even if it happens that you didn't. And don't let silly magazines and blogs tell you not to pull the trigger yourself. They certainly don't speak for everyone.
1: All right, I've got an email here from Kristen, not myself. She says, when I was a young wife and mother living... Oh, I should mention, this is in relation to our condoms, condoms, condoms episode. She's got a little story for us about when she was a young wife and mother living in rural West Cork, Ireland. So she went to the village and to visit the chemist." Uh, which is what they call a pharmacy over there. And uh, she screwed up her courage to the sticking point and boldly asked for some condoms. She said, My husband had bought condoms in Dublin and Cork City, so even though Ireland is a Catholic state, I knew that condoms were available. This was the late 1990s, for crying out loud. Anywho... The elderly lady behind the counter gave me the dirtiest look I've ever been given, and in a scandalized voice with a thick West Cork accent said, We certainly don't sell such things. Just try to imagine how embarrassing that was. And it was crowded at the cash register. And it was my own tiny village, my neighbors crowding around the register to see me turn, beat red turns out in ireland individual pharmacies can choose whether to sell condoms and facilitate their customers going to hell or they can take the moral high ground thank you Kristen, for maybe one of the most unique condom buying stories i've ever heard
0: thank oh there are know. some more coming yeah keep you, you guys have some unique condom buying Love stories, the condom stories. And they are wonderful <laughs> so uh whether you want to talk about Condoms are cooking. Give us an email. It's momstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And so anytime you're on the internet, we should be close to you. Stalk us online, basically. Including our blog. It's called Stuff Mom Never Told You, and it's at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and
1: thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage.